Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Last week, Pastor Terry started week one of a two-week message called How to Give a Blessing. It's part of the Bless You series. And I, right off the top, I want to address the elephant in the room. I am the elephant in the room. I am not Pastor Terry. But, uh, but Pastor Terry is actually in Phoenix, Arizona this morning. He's preaching at his church called Dream City Church. Uh, actually, he's preaching in, in, at Dream City Church in Scottsdale and in Phoenix this morning. He's preaching live in multiple locations. They're a great church. One of the largest churches in North America, actually. But uh, not only in number, but in influence. That church has uh, launched Dream, the Dream Center in Los Angeles, which actually we sent a team of people to this past summer on a missions trip. But Pastor Terry being able to go there and being able to preach there is another way that our church spreads God's love in ever-widening circles. And so this morning here in New Jersey, in West Orange and Paramus and online, in Arizona through their eight campuses and through our outreach partners around the world, TLC's influence, your influence is being felt around the world. And so thank you for being part of a church and for being a church where God's love radiates out of. And so this morning, uh, I got to tell you two things before I, I share the message with you. The first, this is part two of the message, but you do not need to have seen part one to, to hear part two. I'll give you some background. We'll give you some background. You'll be okay. Having said that, number two is you really need to see last week's message. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so if you didn't see last week's message, I encourage you. Our website is tlcc.org. You can find, actually you can find all of our messages there, but go watch, uh, experience last week's message from Pastor Terry. And if you did see last week's message from Pastor Terry, go watch it again. It was that good. I had to listen to it again. It impacted me that much. But just to give you a sense so we can all be on the same page, here's a recap of what we saw last week. We've been talking in recent weeks about um, the blessing, and we've been talking uh, in really introducing this whole trimester, the last four months of this year, about how much God wants to bless us and about how to receive a, a blessing and so on. But today I, I want to start what's going to end up being a two-week message about how to give a blessing. Blessing not only came from God to people, but from people to people. I would say that a blessing in this sense includes the giving of unconditional love and unqualified acceptance. It is expressing how much a person is valued. It involves speaking good into someone's future in a way that has prophetic power in a way that can actually create reality. And it is acting to help bring that future to pass. And we all have a tremendous need to receive the blessings of others, especially our parents, but also those who are in authority over us and those with whom we are in meaningful relationships. We who are blessed 
have a tremendous need and capacity to bless others. So there are five elements of blessing that are detailed in this book, The Blessing. So here's the first element of the blessing. It's meaningful and, note the word, appropriate touch. So here's from The Blessing. Meaningful touch was an essential element in bestowing a blessing in Old Testament homes. Each time the blessing was given in the scriptures, a meaningful touch provided a caring background to the words that would be spoken. Kissing, hugging, or the laying on of hands were all a part of bestowing the blessing. A study at UCLA found that men and women need eight to 10 meaningful touches a day just to maintain emotional and physical health. They even estimated that if some type A driven men would hug their wives several times a day, they could increase their lifespans, the huggers' lifespans, by almost two years. It'll also help your marriage, guys. Here's the next thing. It's a spoken message. Remember that the wisest man who ever lived said the tongue has the power of life and death. We have the ability through our words to speak life to people. Our words can bring a blessing or our words can bring a curse. The, the fact is that our words create reality. And sometimes, if not most of the time, we speak words of blessing in spite of what we actually see. And here's the third and final thing I'll talk about today. It's attaching high value. One essential element involved in blessing someone is to let them know then how much you value them and want to add value to their lives. Now, I believe that one of the things we must teach our children and convey to others who we want to... This teaching to encourage all of us to be blessings to the places that you've brought us and to the relationships that you've given us. Amen. So let's jump right back in. We have a need to be blessed and to be a blessing. In Genesis 27, Isaac is giving a blessing to his son Jacob, even though he's intending to bless his son Esau. Jacob deceives his father, dresses up like his brother, and receives his brother's blessing. Genesis 27, verse 26, Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness. In an abundance of grain and new wine, may nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. As we read that story and this passage in Genesis, we can see that there are some very specific and intentional things that Isaac does during his interaction with Jacob. And Pastor Terry last week and in the video detailed the first three of those for us. Meaningful and appropriate touch. A spoken message. Our words carry the powerful, I mean the power of influence. 
I was reminded of this last Sunday morning. I was in Paramus, and my phone buzzed. It was 11.01 a.m. Now, to be honest, that's not a big surprise for me, uh, for my phone to buzz during a service on a Sunday morning. It could be for any number of a number of reasons. Maybe there's something that happened on the campus that I need to be aware of, or maybe the way the service ended here, they're wanting to communicate in a way that will help me close the service there so that all, uh, as a church we could be on the same page. It doesn't really matter what, why my phone buzzes all the time on Sunday morning. I just want you to know I get text messages a lot on Sunday mornings. So it didn't surprise me that my phone would buzz, but when I looked at my phone, I realized it was not a TLCC-specific note. What I saw was I was receiving a text message from a from a man named Rich Birch. Rich is a friend of mine, he's a mentor, and uh, he lives in Canada. Uh, At that moment, Rich texted me and he said, hey Jason, cheering for you this morning. I hope all is going well on the campus today. Now when I got that message, Pastor Terry was in the middle of talking about the power of a spoken message. In that moment, I was, I, received, I was hearing about the, how em, encouraging words are an element of a blessing, and I had someone, now you may not know Rich Birch, but Rich is pretty well known in, in church leadership circles, and uh, he's an expert in the area of church growth and in multi-site, and he's famous to me. And in that moment, he texted me, and I felt special because it impacted me. In fact, I was speechless. Now, I'm a pastor. We don't get speechless very often. But in that moment, I was speechless. Uh, That moment has stayed with me all week. In fact, I didn't really know how to respond, so I didn't didn't text Rich back till like 11 o'clock that night. Just said, hey, thank you so much for sending this. Of all the people you could think of on a morning, You thought of me, and I can't tell you how much that meant to me. So my first question to you this morning is this. Who would you send that message to? Who do you think about that you want to encourage? Think about that for a minute, because we're going to come back to it in a little while. The third, first thing, meaningful and appropriate touch. Second, a spoken message. Third, attaching high value. When blessing someone, it's important to let them know how much you value them and that you want to add value to their lives. And to tag on to what Pastor Terry was saying, understand that this is all unconditional. God loved us when we were still sinners. Part of the blessing is that we are not only valuable when all of the things we hope for about ourselves and our lives come to pass. We are valuable even if we miss the mark. We are valuable as we journey towards our preferred future. We are valuable because God says we are. Let me say that a little differently. You are valuable even if you miss the mark. You are valuable as you journey towards your preferred future. You are valuable because God says you are. My wife, Joy, and I have three sons. Two of them, James and Jonah, are in the service in Paramus right now, joining us in, uh, via the screen. Uh, 
In fact, my younger one, Jonah, he's probably eating popcorn. Guys, I want you to know that you are valuable. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from Jesus' love or that the love of your mother and I. So this morning, I have the honor of sharing the fourth and fifth elements of, of how to give a blessing that John Trent and Gary Smalley highlight in their book. But let me be very clear. I don't have these mastered. I don't score a perfect 10 on these all the time. I was made aware again of how far I need to go this week in some of these. Last Sunday morning, I was in Paramus and I was having a conversation with someone and uh, the person asked me, you know, you come to church every week. You have a lot of energy. Sunday morning, it's after Saturday night. You're always upbeat. Are you always on like this? I would love to tell you, yes. But sometimes, um, if, uh, maybe not so much. There are times where I'm at home and I'm tired or stressed or I don't feel well. And in those moments, sometimes I'm not as intentional about putting my best foot forward as I am on a Sunday morning. So I, so I, that's the truth. So I honestly answered, I spoke the truth when I answered the person's question last Sunday and said, I'll be honest with you, just like most of us, there's a work, Jason, and a home, Jason. I didn't know this, but my wife, Joy, and one of our sons was, were within earshot of this conversation. And he turned to his mother and he goes, yeah, there's a really nice Jason and grumpy Jason. Ouch. Well, I thought about a lot this week, and I realized in those moments when I'm intentional about putting my foot forward for others, but not as intentional at home, is my attitude and behavior conveying the high value to which I hold my family, or am I giving them the rest of me? Like I said, I don't, I don't always score a perfect 10 on it, but we want to be people who attach a high value. So for the rest of this morning, uh, let's look at the final two elements of how to give a blessing. The fourth element of, give, of, of giving a blessing is picturing a special future. When a blessing was given in Scripture, especially from a parent to a child, a picture of a special future was often articulated. Hebrews 11.20 tells us that by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. So let's look again at Isaac and Jacob's interaction from Genesis 27. Isaac says, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Notice He's not being general. He's being very specific about what he's talking over his son. But that's not the last time that Isaac actually blesses Jacob. Actually, in the very next chapter, he's talking to Jacob again, and he says, May the Lord Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, and increase in numbers until you become a community of peoples. 
May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Notice in those, in those discussions, Isaac speaks of things that haven't happened yet, specific things. May God give you the land that he promised us. Isaac is helping Jacob picture a special future. My wife Joy and I began vocational ministry in 2001. For several years, I served as a youth pastor in a church in South Jersey. Uh, and then in 2006, we moved back to North Jersey. I went back to school, got a business degree, began working in corporate world. First, I worked for Whole Foods Market, and then I worked in the insurance industry. And during all of that time, we attended and served at our home church. It was actually at that church that I experienced my first multi-site church experience, because in 2010, Joy and I were part of the launch team for that church's first multi-site location. And uh, the, the, the campus pastor of that location was a person I had grown up with. His name is John. His father and my father had been pastors in neighboring towns. We'd known each other our whole lives. In South Jersey, we had worked in neighboring towns as youth pastors, and so we'd serve together. And so when we launched this church, he was the campus pastor, and I said, listen, John, I'll do anything you need. I'll be your right-hand man. If you need me to clean the bathroom, I'll clean the bathroom. If you need me to do announcements, I'll do announcements. And so in a volunteer role, I served for several years in that capacity at that church. And now, I'll be honest, I love ministry. And so this volunteer role, this part of being serving there, it's, it scratched the itch that I had. Um, and so Joy and I were happy. We were content to be part of a church with our friends and to serve there as long as God had us. I was pretty convinced that my la I had seen my last days in vocational ministry. I, wasn't, I didn't think I'd be a pastor again. There were several reasons for that, and someday maybe I'll have an opportunity to share that story. It's a really long one. But, uh, but just understand today, I didn't think I'd do this again. And uh, in 2014, early one Sunday morning, uh, I walked into church and a lady named Joanne, uh, who was a greeter at the church. She was part of uh, the First Impressions team. And I, I saw her every Sunday morning on my way to church. And I walked into church that day and she said, I, she said to me, Jason, I was praying for you this week. And uh, God has ministry in your future. I was very appreciative of the kind words that she said. And I was completely convinced that she had eaten some bad pizza. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll never forget that day. I, to be honest, I didn't know Joanne very well. We saw each other when I walked into church each week, but I had no past history with her that would cause me to put faith in the things she was saying. But soon I started to hear similar types of comments from people who I trusted who were part of my life and who I'd learned to have a level of understanding that to listen to what they might say over me. And so over the next year, Joy and I, we started to think about it, talk about it, to consider what it might be like. And eventually we even began to dream what it'd be like for us to return to ministry. And I'll be honest with you this morning, there's very little question in my mind that the words Joanne spoke over me five and a half years ago are a huge reason why I'm here today. Her words were the canvas on which I began to paint a picture 
of a special future. Now, before I go on, I just need to be very clear. I've learned in my life to be very careful with God told me statements. God told me this, God told me that. I believe anybody who speaks on behalf of God should consider the weight of their words and the one for whom they are speaking. But that doesn't mean that we should avoid speaking a blessing to others that will help them paint a picture of their special future. Especially as parents. You see, our children will use our words to paint a picture of their future. We need to, each of us needs to consider what God wants that picture to look like. My mom, who's, my mom's joining us in Paramus this morning. Hi, mom. Uh, anyway, my mom grew up in a home where her mother was a faithful Christian. Uh, every Sunday, she would get her four children up and go to church. And um, they were actively part of their church. But my dad, my, uh, her dad, my grandfather, let me clarify, her dad, my grandfather, he didn't come to faith till very late in life. While my mom was a kid, he struggled with alcohol and alcoholism, and the environment in the house would change when he would drink. Um, I've never asked about the specific details of what it was like in the house, uh, but it was bad enough that my mom became very intentional about painting a different picture for herself. She resolved that she would marry a Christian. In fact, she prayed that she'd marry a minister so that her home would be different because she was involved in a church and she was surrounded by others who showed her example of what a Christian home could be. Her church community helped her paint a picture of a special future. And that's a huge reason why things turned out well for my mom and me. And so you may be here this morning, and maybe your family life was not that great. Maybe your parents' words never painted a picture of a special future, but were harmful. Or maybe you never heard your parents' words at all. Maybe you're currently in an environment that offers you no hope. I'm glad you're here. TLCC is the place for you. I encourage you, if that's you, to get involved in a life group or in a life team where you can create community and be surrounded by people who will begin to speak to you in a way that presents the special future that God created you to have. It's in, it's in these environments that you will find relationships that will help you. Our Connect Pastors are another uh, another group of people who are helping uh, picture special future for people. It's been really awesome uh, to see our Connect Pastor team uh, begin to be a blessing to people in our church. And, and find, it's been unbelievable for me, truly, to hear testimonies of our Connect Pastors who are, are connecting with people who said, I was really lonely. You're an answer to prayer and have helped them connect with life groups and with life teams because we want to be a place that is impactful in lives and presents people with the opportunity to see the special future that God has for them. So whether it's at home with our children or in our areas of influence, we must be people who picture a special future. 
When we do that for others, those words, according to John Trent and Gary Smalley in, in the book, The Blessing, act like a lantern. They can illuminate a path to a future with hope and with purpose. Words that picture a special future act like a campfire on a dark night. They can draw a person towards the warmth and genuine, of genuine concern and fulfilled potential. So let me complete the story about my mom. My mom married a Christian man. In fact, she married a, pa a, man, a pastor. Our house was very different than the one she grew up in. And it's because some people like you in a place similar to this gave her the gift of picturing a special future. We have to be a place and we have to want to be a people who do that. When we do that for someone, they have the aim, they have a goal to aim for. They have a path that's illuminated. As parents, one way or another, we must convey to our kids messages like, one day people are going to want their kids to grow up and be like you because you are going to live such a meaningful life. Let me put it a different way. We want to tell our kids that they will become people the world wants to witness. As leaders and mentors in areas of influence, we need to encourage people that God has a special plan for them in their area of destiny. And here's a huge key to thinking about this as a parent or a mentor or a leader. We must guide people into other we must guide people into a relationship with God so that they may discover his plans for their life. We know that regardless of what those plans are, our children have a God-destined special future. Now, I want to be very clear about what I just said. The goal is to create environments where our children learn what God has for them. The goal is for me as a dad is to create an environment where my three sons have an environment where they can learn what God has for them. What that means is what I have for them, my plans for them are secondary to God's. The people that God has given me the ability and the right to speak into. What I want them to do is not as important as what God created them to do. And so I need to be intentional about pointing them towards Christ and not what I want. And that brings me to the last element, an active commitment. The fifth element of a blessing is an active commitment. The first four elements of the blessing do not work as well if they uh, do not work as well as they should if we don't fully engage in doing what is needed to help that blessing come to pass. A consistent and active commitment to be present in people's lives is the mortar that holds the other four elements of a blessing together. James chapter two says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says, go to them, if one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? We can't just talk. We have to engage in active commitment. In the message translation of that verse, it says, God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. We have to show people that we care. This isn't just a biblical truth. M. Scott Peck in the classic The Road Less Traveled wrote that love is 
quote, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or, excuse me, or another's spiritual growth. Uh, Dostoevsky, in his novel, The The Brothers Karamazov, wrote that we must practice active love. We must communicate our love and blessings with our words. It's part of it. But then we must act in ways that are consistent with our words. As you know, the kind of love that parenting well demands uh, is a selfless and a a consistent, a sacrificial love one that is totally dedicated to our children's well-being, spirit, soul, body, and to the self-actualization of human, as human beings created in the image of God. So again, I say, a consistent and active commitment to be present in people's lives is the mortar that holds the elements of a blessing together. And here are a few examples. The first one is from the uh, theologian who wrote Family Circus. Anytime you're ready, Dad. I'll be sitting outside growing older. I'd love to tell you that doesn't happen in my house. So we'll just move on. (laughs) Zig Ziglar in his book, Raising Positive Kids, said that the word love is really spelled T-I-M-E. Okay, before I go any further, I need to say that I, I know some of what I've said, some of what I'm about to say, Uh, has been spoken about the context of parenting. But this is not a parenting message. Not up here to preach about parenting today. I'm simply using uh, parenthood as an example because the constructs we're talking about are transferable to areas of leadership, mentorship, even self-analysis. And if you'll allow me to, con- to use the parenting example, I believe you'll find relevance to your life in whatever stage you find yourself in. Another example is that we should make a, pro- a commitment to the family table. At my house, we are constantly fighting the battle of the screens, even at the table. So much so that we've actually banned phones from the table. You're not allowed to eat and watch a screen in our house. Most of the time. I'd love to tell you that's just for the kids. But when my phone's at the table and it buzzes, you know what I do? I look at it. But we want to be, we've been, we were being intentional about the family table. So not only have we banned screens from the table, we've actually uh, uh, purchased, we got, we went out and bought conversation starters. They're called table topics that we use to ensure we're talking to each other and spending quality time to, uh, with each other when we can. Because it's so pivotal to be intentional about this. I have a friend. His son go, is a freshman in high school. The high school is about 30 minutes from where they live. It's a private school, and uh, busing is available. But my friend and his wife have made a dedicated decision that they drive their son to school every morning because it's 30 minutes of uninterrupted time with their son. They've made a commitment to do it. It has a cost. Choosing to have an active commitment in people's lives comes at a cost to you. It's worth it. Now, I'll be honest, my boys, especially the older two, do not love the table talk questions. When we bring them out, 
two of my sons grown and our youngest Jack loves it. He wants to read the questions. My son's friend wants to listen, uh, my, my, my friend's son, excuse me, my friend's son wants to listen to his ear pods every morning on his way to school. But the kids are not driving the agenda. We are the ones to do that because we are determined to have an active commitment. So whether it's in your children's lives or in someone who you work with or someone in your life group and life team, any relationship God has entrusted to you, if you choose to, be an, uh, to have an active commitment, you have to be intentional in that. Active commitments involve training and development. As parents, we must actively train our children and provide training for our children in what life should really be about. Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Much of this is about priorities. First, our priorities of what's important, but also about teaching our children how to prioritize things that are important. I have a son who just got his learner's permit. I'm teaching him about what's important when you're driving. First you look here. Then you have to be aware of what's going on here. You have to be... I'm teaching him what to prioritize. People must be taught that the most important thing in their lives is their relationship with God, their creator, and to live out his dreams for their lives. If our children are in relationship with God, then God will work in them and cause them to want to do what and to do his good pleasure. That's from Philippians 2. It is God who works in you to both will and to do for his good pleasure. And so I've been asked many times, back to that Proverbs verse, uh, what is a way he should go? It says train up a child in the way he should go. I've been asked by people, especially as a youth pastor, I asked a lot of times, what is a way he should go? My answer has always been the same. It's Luke 2.52. In Luke 2.52, we have a guide for how we can look at our own development, development of children, and of so many others. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and man. The first thing, Jesus grew in wisdom. It is completely appropriate for us to encourage the importance of education. Whether that's our kids or our own. Homework happens every night. My kids get mad when I come home and they say they have no homework, and I say, I should call the teacher. It's not just theirs, it's mine. I can choose to read the books or choose not to. But I need to make sure that, wisdom, that I grow in wisdom. Our children should be prepared to know what they're expected to know. You see, we're not just raising kids. We're raising future leaders, influencers, people who are going to make a difference in the world, and so they need to understand what wisdom is. It's an important thing, and we should be actively committed to ensure they grow in it. Jesus grew in stature. It is appropriate for us to encourage the importance of physical development through exercise and sports. Stanford's Child Health lists several physical and emotional benefits for children who spend time outdoors playing, especially in organized sports. 
Among the benefits they list, uh, they are, uh, children, uh, people are less likely to develop vision problems. That one I didn't see coming. You'll get that pun in just a second. They're more likely to be at a healthy weight. They have improved motor skills. They have de- uh, they have, uh, it improves social skill development, self-confidence, sportsmanship, friendship. It really puts the active in active commitment. It is appropriate for us to encourage our children to grow in their stature. Jesus grew in favor with man. It is appropriate for us to encourage the importance of community. We need to be people who teach others, including our children, how to interact correctly and to be an influence in the world. Listen, I have a son who, I'll be honest, I have a a son that's not meant to brag. It's going to sound like it's bragging. It's it's not meant to brag. Once you get the whole story, I think you'll understand. I have one son who's in high school. He's being recruited by the top colleges in America. Colleges I never thought I'd say the word of, forget, like, go to visit son. We have another son who has some special needs and uh, has an, uh, an IEP or an individualized education plan for his school. I have a third son who could care less about school, but he's the center of the social network in the middle school. I have three sons who come about life from very different angles. But whichever angle they come from, for all three of our boys, Joy and I are actively committed to prepare them as best as we can for what God has for them. But there's a fourth area of development that Jesus grew in. It's the most important one. Jesus grew in favor with God. It is incumbent upon us to prioritize the importance of spiritual development and to put our kids in environments that can help them in this area. This is infinitely more important than soccer or band or AP classes. And before you think I'm, I'm spitting on soccer or band or AP classes, all three of those things happen in my house every week. They're important. But in our society, Those things have become a trap that have distracted people from the priority of spiritual development. They're important, but they're not the most important. And so here's the question that I have to ask myself often that I'm asking you this morning. As parents, do your financial and time investments show that you value the spiritual component of your child's life the way you value the other components? I said I'd be using the example of parenthood for, most of the, most, for much of the message, but let me come back to a more general scope. In your life, as an individual, and as a leader in your area of influence, do your time and financial uh, investments show that you value your spiritual development and the development of people that God has given you to lead? That's a weighty question. But when I don't put my best forward, best foot forward in my house, am I showing my kids that they're as high valued as I say they are? We must consistently encourage people to develop in the areas and in the ways that Jesus did. If we do that, 
They can expect to live a blessed life and to be a blessing. Because that's why God blesses us, so that we can be a blessing to those around us. How to bestow a blessing. Five elements that will help us uh, how, that will help us be people through which God can bless the world. Meaningful and appropriate touch. A spoken message. Attaching high value. Picturing a special future. And an active commitment. There may be some of you who are here this morning who are saying, why are these important? Let me give you a couple reasons that I can think of. First, it works. It's effective. The book, The Blessing by uh, John Trent and Gary Smoke, we're actually modeling the way our Heavenly Father wants to engage us. I don't want to weird some of you out this morning. But these elements are true of our relationship with God. I can't speak for you, but in my life, I've felt his presence. A meaningful touch. There have been times where I've heard his voice deep inside me. I'll be honest, it's never been an audible thing. I see that in scripture a couple times, I've never experienced that, but I've heard his voice through a spoken message. I read the Bible and it tells me how valuable he thinks I am, how, how he, he loves me and that he gave his son Jesus to die for me. I've learned the promises of scripture uh, that his plans are for me to prosper and not to be harmed. And I know that he's a constant presence in my life. I can explain it through scriptures. I can tell you through my own experience that all of these things are true. He has blessed me so that I can bless others. He has blessed us so that we can bless others. He has blessed you so that you can bless others. And so this morning, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Church is going to end really different than you're used to today. Than all of us are used to. Would you take out your phones? We're going to text in church. Remember early in the service I told you about a text I got last Sunday morning at 11.01 a.m. of someone who wanted to encourage me. The band's going to come and play a song for us. And I, when we're done,